Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, hello, faith builders. Welcome to another great, 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 great Wednesday night united. We are going to get in some good things from the Word of God, and God is going to minister to us from the Word and help us see the things that are going to enable us to grow into the things that God wants us to grow into. Uh, Go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we want to begin here in Galatians 5 and continue with what we've been looking at uh, entitled Led by Peace. Uh, I really had to seek the Lord today and decide uh, what to minister. And and because there's so much to minister on, there's so much going on in the world, uh, obviously with the, the war in Israel and the things that are going on. I know that people have questions, and when you you peruse YouTube or whatever, uh, you see any number of people saying, well, this is what's happening, that's what's happening. Uh, I really encourage you to go and watch uh, last Sunday morning's message uh, by Pastor Caldwell. He was here uh, at the Little Rock location ministering. Uh, Along the lines of what we're dealing with currently, and how to pray for Israel, and how to respond, because we know that obviously fear is not the way that we respond. Uh, I believe that we should be responding in thanksgiving and thankfulness that our nation is standing with Israel, and that our president has said unequivocally that we have Israel's back, and we are standing with them, and providing them even with military assistance. Um, my family, this is the time not to become jaded and, and not to become uh, cynical, all right? I, I realize that in any political spectrum, with any political person, politician, uh, president, senator, congressman, we can, we, listen, we can go back and we can find things, we can find mistakes, and there might be plenty of them. But here's, here's what I want you to be aware of. Uh, in, in this instance, at least for right now, they've made it very clear that we stand with Israel. I'm rejoicing over that. Uh, now, people being people, something could be said in the next month that I once again want to bury my head in the sand and claim that's not my president, all right? But for right now, <laughs> right now, right, we're, we're thankful, we're joyful, and we have to stay focused on the Word and what does the Word of God say? Amen. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that, um, you know, up until uh, the, the rapture of the church, I mean, there's going to be things that are seen in the world, wars, rumors of wars, uh, earthquakes in different places. Uh, these are things that are going to be seen uh, because of the nature of the earth that we live in, with the, the, the nature of the world that we're in. Uh, with the curse that's on this earth. But he also said, don't let your heart be troubled because you're going to see these things, but don't let your heart be troubled because ultimately we know where the answer is. Amen? So we want to keep looking at this being led by peace. And I've made the statement in every message so far that peace in the life and the home of the believer is one of the highest evidences of the presence of God in that life. Peace in the life and the home of the believer is one of the highest evidences of the presence of God in that life. In Galatians 5 and 22, of course, Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, we've said this a lot as well, that these are the fruit of the reborn human spirit. 
They were given to us at salvation, and they're part of our redemptive benefits. All right, they're there at our disposal for our use. And uh, each of these fruit connect us to a different aspect of the character of the Father and of the character of Christ. And this is so important because they are the character traits of the Father and of Christ. And the Lord has said to me consistently that these fruit are crucial to our assignment as a church. The more these fruit operate in the body of Christ and in the local church, the more maturity that you will see. Amen. But one of the greatest things that there's a need for in the church, local and university, uh, excuse me, universally, is maturity. A growing up into the things of God, a growing up into the things of Christ. Amen. And so these fruit are crucial to our assignment as a church. Now, why? Because we've got to be able to walk in the fruit of the Spirit with each other and with those that are without so that God can do all that He wants to do in our midst. When God gave us the, 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 the mandate, if you will, to fill the house, all right, well, the way that you fill the house is you've got to be walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Folks, listen, you can have the best children's ministry, you can have the best praise and worship, you can have the best minister, but here's the bottom line. If the fruit isn't operating in the people, all right, people are not going to like going there. That's why these fruit are crucial to our assignment as a church. All right, we're going to love people when they come. We're going to show them the love of God. We're going to walk in the joy of the Lord. We're going to operate in peace. We're going to be gentle. We're going to be long-suffering. We're going to be faithful. Amen. Because that's crucial to our growth as a believer. Now, Galatians 5.16, notice it says, This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh, hallelujah. Then he said in verse 22, notice, but the fruit of the Spirit is. So he talks about walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And then he says the fruit of the Spirit, and he, and he names the fruit of the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit, the result is this, that we won't fulfill or we won't bring to completion the lust, the strong desire of the flesh. Hallelujah. And walking in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, it will include the exhibition or the exhibiting of these fruit in our lives. Make no mistake about that. If I'm walking in the Spirit, these fruit will be exhibited in my life. People will see them. They'll experience them. I'll walk in them. See, walking in the Spirit, I'm going to display the fruit of the reborn human spirit. Glory to God. Amen. You know, walking in the Spirit very often is something that people consider, you know, that it's doing something spiritual. Well, it is to a degree, but I think that we have to define spiritual. Amen. Because people have a different, different definitions of spiritual. Some people believe spiritual is sitting around reading your Bible all day. Some people believe spiritual is praying in tongues all day or speaking in tongues all day. Some people believe spirituals walking around singing worship songs all day long. Some people believe spiritual being spiritual is not uh, uh, listening to anything but preaching or or right. And all of those have a factor to play in our spirituality, all right, and being spiritual people. But walking in the spirit is staying in the sphere of the spirit. In, in other words, I'm never too far out of what the Spirit wants for me. 
I'm, I'm comfortable in the realm of the Spirit. If I'm comfortable in the realm of the Spirit, I'll get comfortable with the fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. We're to become comfortable operating in these fruit. It becomes our nature. It becomes our character. Amen. This is what we're pushing into even more and more. What I hope that we're seeing and getting out of this, and I've said this numerous times, is that peace in the life of the believer is not the absence of conflict or the absence of a, of a circumstance or the absence of trouble. It's the peace of God in that conflict or in that trouble or in that turmoil. That's not supposed to be a way of life for the believer, but it's impossible that I won't face some of it somewhere, number one, based on the Word of God, and number two, based on the nature of people. There are people that want to enter into conflict with you then I have the opportunity or I have the option of either losing my peace or allowing peace to lead me and allowing peace to diffuse it. Especially where I'm concerned. Oh, hallelujah. Now these fruit, well, let me say this. The flesh desires comfort. If, if, if I could say why many believers do not walk in the fruit of the Spirit. It's this. The flesh desires comfort. And it's not always comfortable to walk in love. And it's not always comfortable to be joyful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Michelle and I were preaching some time ago, and we started talking about the, the acronym TTR. You remember what TTR stands for? Time to rejoice. Whoo, boy, that's good shouting. That's a good shouting word. Until you don't want to rejoice, and somebody goes, come on, TTR, shut up. Tell me to rejoice. You have no idea what I'm going through. Now, I'm not saying you did that. I'm saying people do that, right? Why? Because it's not comfortable. When you have nothing to rejoice about, to lift your hands and rejoice, right, is a challenge. But if I'm determined to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, I realize joy is one of the fruit of my reborn human spirit. It's there. It's in me. I can enter into that joy. It may not be comfortable, Right? The flesh will say you don't have anything to be joyful over. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Number one, I'm born again. Oh, hallelujah, I'm going to heaven. Praise God, I'm not going to hell. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not addicted to whatever I was addicted to anymore, ever what it may be. At the very least, I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm not out sinning. I don't argue with my wife. I don't argue with my family members. Oh, I got something to rejoice about. Amen? Oh, glory to God. Even though it may not be comfortable. Determining that you're going to be at peace is not always comfortable. Why? Because you got to hold yourself there. Is that right? You got to hold yourself there. I'm not going to lose my peace. Everything's coming against your peace. I'm not going to lose my peace. I'm determined to be at peace. I mean, you're talking to yourself. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm not losing my peace. I don't care what they enter into. I'm not entering into it. I'm not going to lose my peace. How does the enemy try to get your peace? The question. The questions. The what ifs, the how comes, right? What about? You can't enter into that. Well, why'd they do that? I don't know. I'm not losing my peace. Why'd they say that? I don't know. I'm not losing my peace. Why'd they do that? I don't know. I'm not losing my peace. Amen. Now, the flesh, hear me, the flesh desires comfort. The flesh wants to know. 
he used to have a person that uh, went to the church, and 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 they did a little bit of, you know, they would they would talk about people if they had the chance, and and their favorite phrase was, "What's the scoop?" They always wanted to know what was going on, not to try to help it, just to get the information. Do you know you can know what's going on with somebody and borrow their offense? And when you know what's going on with them, it'll rob your peace? I've watched this over the years when you're dealing like with family members. I've watched parents borrow their child's offense. Now, I'm talking specifically married children. You know, that the, the, the children will get into a disagreement. And mom and dad get all involved and all in the middle of it. And then the next thing you know, they're mad at little Pookie Wookie Wookie Pookie's husband. And they have borrowed her offense. Never taking into consideration that it requires two to have a disagreement. You hear what I'm saying? Now, the person might be wrong, but listen, if I borrow their offense, I'm going to lose my peace. And then how can I help anybody? How can you calm someone when you're not calm? Well, calm down. I am calm. Hallelujah. Do do you see that? Don't, Don't do that. Well, but they're wrong. They hurt my son. They hurt my daughter. They hurt my friend. They hurt. I, I understand that, but don't borrow the offense. You got to stay in peace. A person that's at peace is not afraid of what the person did and not afraid to say they did it, but I'm not going to let it rob my peace. Oh, hallelujah. I dealt with the situation not too long ago where somebody borrowed offense, Uh, a person was offended at me, and another person borrowed that offense. And you know, it made them quit talking to me. And there's no truth at all to anything that was said. But, But the issue is, they borrowed the offense. They didn't stay at peace. You know how I maintain an attitude of being unoffendable? I don't lose my peace. If it, if it attacks my peace, I drop it. This is important. Tell your neighbor, if it attacks my peace, I drop it. See, you have to, because peace is the leading. If I can't get peace, I can't be led. It's important. I just drop it. And here's something I've learned. Huh. No matter what, other people think I'm going to live my life and I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to maintain peace. Amen. Why? Because the dog may bark, but the train just keeps going. Oh, hallelujah. The spirit desires conformity to the character of Christ. So the flesh desires comfort, the spirit desires conformity to the character of Christ. And understand, the comforting of the flesh will stunt the growth of the fruit of the spirit. And you don't just comfort the flesh by having somebody pat your back. You comfort the flesh by giving it its way. And Giving the flesh its way is not always necessarily something sinful. But when you choose to lose your peace, you just gave the flesh its way. When a person chooses not to walk in love, they have chosen the way of the flesh. Hallelujah. Peace is at the core of each of these fruits. 
right at the core of all of them. You got to be walking in peace to operate in these fruit. Now, there in Galatians 5 and 23, Paul ended verse 22 with faith or faithfulness. We talked about that last week. And then he says, meekness, meekness. Hallelujah. Now, a lot of people believe that if a person's meek, it, that it is somehow a weakness. All right? A weakness. To many people, if you say, what's a meek person? They'll say, they'll say well, they're really shy. They're timid. They're, you know, bashful, maybe introverted. But meekness is one of the strongest attributes a believer can possess. Meekness. Because meekness has a unique strength that impacts everybody that it touches. Hallelujah. The word meekness comes from a word that depicts the attitude or demeanor of a person who, who is the following things. Number one, forbearing. Forbearing. That person is forbearing. Number two, patient. Number three, slow to respond in anger. And number four, a person who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injuries. A person who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injury. We'll go over those again. Forbearing, patient, slow to respond in anger, and one who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injuries. Hallelujah. See, when we're operating the fruit of meekness, even though a situation would normally produce an angry outburst, a meek person is controlled by kindness, by gentleness. I like this, mildness. They're mild in that situation. Because when you really look at meekness, Meekness pictures a strong-willed person who's learned to submit their will to a higher authority. They've learned that. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. And uh, verse 28, notice what Jesus said. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest unto your souls. So one of the most outstanding things about this word meekness is that Jesus used it to describe himself. I am meek. Notice. I am meek and lowly in heart. Meek and lowly. That word, it's, it means it. The definition of meekness is mildness or gentleness. And so Jesus says, I am gentle and humble. This is Jesus who said that. Hallelujah. He used that word to describe himself. Now, remember, meekness pictures a strong-willed person who has learned to submit his will to a higher authority. Notice John chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, his disciples, my meat, my food, my desire is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. 
to do his will. To do his will. What you find in the word of God is the will of God. God's will is that we walk in those, these fruit of the spirit. God's will is that we walk in peace. I have to be meek and submit my will to the higher authority. Hallelujah. John 6 and 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Notice, he was well aware where he came from. He was well aware of the authority that he possessed. But he said, I'm submitting all of my authority, all of my power to the Father, and I came to do the will of him that sent me. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see how that flies in the face of so many people today? What about me? What about what I get to do? What about my future? What about my ministry? What about my thing? What about my revelation? What about my ability? What about my anointing? Can you be meek and submit all that under the authority of someone else so that God can use you properly? You can have all those anointings and revelation and powerful ministry and never be used like you could if you would just be meek and submit to somebody else. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see that? Understand that whether you do it or not, there will be somebody that you're supposed to be submitted to all of your life. Whether you submit to them or not, Amen. Listen, in this fellowship, I pastor these churches. If you go to the, the corporation bylaws, I am listed as the founder and president of this fellowship and these churches. All right? At the end of the day, if nobody else can make the decision, I can. And I can change any decision that's made. Why? Because, right? But listen, listen, I'm submitted though. I have a pastor. I have people I've submitted myself to. I've submitted myself to certain limitations in our bylaws. Yeah, amen. In, in, in the way that we do things. Why? Because I understand something. I want to be meek. I want to be submitted. And notice Jesus said, I came down from heaven to do the will of him that sent me. But what, what did he say before that? Help me out. Not to do my own will. Ooh, glory. How important is that? I say, how important is that? Not to just do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I've watched over the years, and when somebody's always saying things like, well, you know, I, I'll do that until. See, they got until on their mind. Not right now. And what that leads you to understand is that what they're doing right now to them is just a stepping stone to what they really want to do, which is be on their own, doing their own thing. Like, I think it got quiet. You understand? But when you're willing to say, okay, I submit my will I submit my calling. 
I submit my anointings. I submit all of my abilities, whatever they are. I submit it to the leadership of this local church. I submit it to my pastor. I submit it to my brothers and my sisters. And I'm going to work in this local church and work to fulfill the vision that God has given this church. Not just my pastor. God has given that vision to this church and to every person that calls themselves a faith builder. And when I'm willing to submit my will and submit my desires and submit my calling to make what God wants to happen here occur. I am walking in the fruit of meekness and great will be the peace in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Do do, do you see that? See, it's not just about submitting to a man. It's not just about submitting your, your will and not getting to do what you want to do. If you submit to a higher authority, and walk in meekness, you will not only get to do what you want to do, you'll get to do it more than you ever thought you would get to do it. You'll get to go places you've never been, do things you've never done, meet people you've never met, because it's not all about you. It's about what God has called the ministry to do, and you've, you've humbled yourself and walked in meekness and submitted your will to the higher authority. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Do do you see that? I remember when uh, Pastor Caldwell was at our church there at the DeSoto location, and he was uh, only there for one, one, well, actually, uh, he had been there on a Saturday evening. Uh, we had had a conference at the Sheridan over off of, uh, of uh, around Metcalf, 435 Metcalf. And uh, he had been there for one service Saturday evening, and then he ministered on Sunday morning at the church. Well, we got a snowstorm, and it, it You know, I mean, we talk about freak snowstorms. Well, you know the weather in Kansas. If you don't like it, wait five minutes. It'll change. So it was was one of those, uh, it was one of those late spring, early spring snowstorms. You know how we'll get them sometimes in April, right? And uh, he was there, and we were standing in the office, and... uh, He had just made the decision, maybe it was September, I think it was September. Anyway, he had just made the decision to transfer or or to uh, 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 transition the the church there in Little Rock, and we were standing there, and Pastor Michelle asked him a question. She said, who's going to help you as you travel? And he said, we don't have anybody to help us. And the Lord spoke to me and my wife both at that moment and said, that's your job, to help them as they travel. That's your job. Now listen, helping when they travel is not ministering in the sense that people think about ministry. It's ministering to them. Are you following me? Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. I don't have a better example except Jesus, and we've talked about him. I cannot tell you the doors that opened up to us when we took our will, what God had called us to do, and submitted it to the will of a person that we willingly placed in a higher position in our life. I'm talking ministry opportunities. I'm talking financial abilities. I'm talking about victories. Folks, listen, there's no way to put a price on that. But it was done. See, meekness is not, I will go with you for what I can get. Meekness is I will go with you Because I desire God's plan for my life. 
That's important. That's important. I say that's important. Do you hear me? Now notice. John chapter 5. And uh, verse 30. John 5 and 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear I judge, my judgment is just. Notice, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So notice something. Jesus wasn't weak. He was controlled. He was submitted to the will of the Father. You have to have peace to do that. I'm going to submit to the will of the Father. It requires peace not to think about yourself. We use it this way. Have you ever noticed somebody that they don't care what you think about how they dress? And what do we say? Boy, they're comfortable in their own skin, aren't they? What are we saying? They're at peace. They just don't care what you think. Amen. I mean, I've watched guys come in, and for lack of a better illustration, with the proverbial striped shirt and checked pants. Oh, my goodness. And you look at them, and you think two things. Number one, he's really comfortable in his own skin. Number two, he's not married. Right? He's not married. But, but here's the point. You know, I, I've known people that I don't know how they think what they're wearing can look good. But they like it, and, and they're at peace with it. Maybe, I, maybe people think that way about me. You know, there's times I'm at peace. Hallelujah. There's times I go to the grocery store, and I walk by the freezer aisle, and I go, boy, you came out looking like that. I, I just write, but I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I think the older I get, the more comfortable I get with how I am. I just don't care. I'm not trying to impress nobody. Oh, Hallelujah. But, but now listen, what's that take? Peace. Peace. It required peace for Jesus to submit his will to the Father. The meekness of Jesus was his strength. He knew how to bring his will under subjection. He knew how to do it. This is important. People will go further in ministry when they understand that a submitted man or woman is promoted. Promotion comes from submission. Nobody gets promoted that hasn't submitted. And if they do seem like they were promoted without submission, they did it crooked. They got it some other way than the right way. Glory to God. I feel like after 25 years of full-time pastoring, I'm just now hitting my stride. I really feel that way. When I say that our best days and years are ahead of us, I don't mean that in a clichéic sense. I truly believe that the best days and months and weeks and years of this ministry are yet ahead of us. I feel like I have finally found out how to run this race completely submitted to what God wants us to do and not worried about what anybody else thinks. Oh, hallelujah. Am I helping anybody? Listen to me. Because, you know, for instance, when, we, when the Lord told us to pastor in two locations, you'd have been surprised at all the people that basically let us know, you know, they may not have come right out and said it, that it was impossible or whatever, but they, they, they sure let you know that they disagreed with it. Well, I had to get at peace about that because I knew what God said. I say, I knew what God said. And now I got, and, and listen, folks, I fought it. And when I say I fought it, it wasn't like I fought it. I just ignored it. I know you've never done that. But I, I just ignored it. I thought, you know, if, if, if I don't mention it, if I don't pray about it, then, 
then God won't hold me accountable for it. But you know, right here, right here, I kind of had not. And every time Pastor Michelle would leave to come here, to come to Little Rock minister, yeah, I was content just to let her go. And she's doing a good job. And I saw the success, and I thought, well, praise God. God's happy with that. I knew God wasn't happy with that. Why? Now listen, why was God not happy with that? I wasn't submitted to his plan. I wasn't submitted to what he wanted for our life. God was blessing us to the measure that he could. So what was the issue? I was not walking in meekness. I was still holding my desire to not travel as more important than God's desire for my life. And so one day I'm running down the road. I'm running. We, we lived over there off 7 Highway, and I'm running down the road around 95th Street. And I ran by a house. You remember me telling the story? I ran by a house. I looked at that house. I said, Lord, that sure be a nice house to live in. And the Lord, the Lord didn't say, yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Uh, believe me, and I'll get you one. He said, you're supposed to be in Little Rock anyway. Woo-hoo. Right? And it was just about like that. And didn't say anything else to me. You say, what would you do? Boy, I hightailed at home. And I walked in the door and told my wife what the Lord said. And I repented. I've been dragging my feet. I haven't been doing my part. Amen. It's not, listen, it's not like I could just go, all right, baby, I'm going to start traveling. We're going to start switching off. Now, I got to repent. Why? Because repentance is part of meekness. Repentance is submitting your will to the other person. So I repented. I repented. I said, I repent, and, and I'll, I'll get busy. Amen. Oh, glory. Now, I'm, I'm going to say a few things tonight, because, because here's, here's the thing. You know, when, when we started pastoring two churches, there were people that felt like, you know, that now, listen, now they didn't have their pastors with them all the time. And they left the church. You want to know what that was? They refused to submit to the will of God for our church. And when you do that, I don't care where you go and what you do, you will never be as successful as you could have been because of a lack of submission. If God tells your church to do something, don't criticize it. Don't complain about it. Don't talk about it. Submit to it and watch the blessings of God come on your life. Am I helping you? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Now, has it been a challenge? Of course. But there's, there's things we're pressing into that's going to make it less of a challenge. But you've got to operate in meekness and submit to the will of the Father. Oh, hallelujah. In Matthew 26, 39, you know this verse by heart. It says that Jesus went and he prayed, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's meekness at its strongest. Not my will. Your will. Amen. This required being at peace with the Father's plan. Not my will. Your will. Lord, I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll act in whatever capacity you ask me to act in. Not my will, your will. Not my will, your will. Oh, hallelujah. Not my will, your will. Jesus said over and over again, when he was standing before Pilate, 
Actually, before he ever went to Pilate, he said in the book of John chapter 10, around verse 17, he made this statement. He said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. I lay it down. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? Then he said in John 19, 11, he said to Pilate, he said, you would have no power over me at all if it wasn't given to you of my Father which is in heaven. In other words, Pilate, there's nothing you could do to me if I wasn't submitted to the plan my Father has. Now think about what peace he had to have. Because he knew this guy has no power over me. What would it be like to stand before somebody that had no power over you, but give them the power over you. You got to be at peace with what? The plan. That's why when you face a challenge and you face difficult circumstances and you enter into meekness, what you're saying is, Lord, I submit myself to your plan and your will and your way. I know this circumstance is not from you. I'm going to be at peace. Everything's going to work out. And it always does. In Matthew 26 and verse 53, you remember Jesus made the statement. He said uh, uh, to Pilate, he said, don't you think, or he said to the people, don't you think that I could call 10,000 angels to deliver me out of your hand? Now, he knew he could do that. But he didn't. Submitted to the will of the Father. Amen. Do you see that? He knew the power he possessed, yet he remained meek. He walked out the plan. See, that's what you see. People, when they're in a situation, somebody does them wrong. Somebody's treating them unjustly. And what do you hear a lot? Well, they're not going to treat me that way. I'll show them what I can do. That's not meek. That's not meek. And that situation will collapse on you. Amen. Well, I'm going to tell them how dishonoring they are to me. I'm going to tell them how wrong they've treated me. I'll tell you what, they're not getting away with this. They are. They're getting away with robbing your peace. They're getting away with getting you out of the will of God. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Oh, hallelujah. See, the meek person's learned the secret to submitting them to those that are over them. They have their own opinion, but they know how to bring their will under control. I've got my own opinion, but I, I know how to bring my will under control. Meekness means I'll be controlled even under difficult circumstances. In other words, you know how to control yourself and your emotions. Meekness was also used in a medical sense to denote soothing medication, to calm an angry mind. That's why you see in Galatians 6.1, it says, Brethren, if a, if, it says, if a man be overtaken in a fall, you who are spiritual, restore him in a spirit, here it is, of meekness. Of meekness. What does that mean? That's how we respond to a fellow believer's slip-up or when they miss the mark. We respond in meekness. Why? They're beating themselves up. And we respond in meekness, and it produces a soothing to their mind and to their spirit. Look, brother, it's going to be okay. Everybody's missed the mark. Everybody's failed. You didn't mean to do it. You didn't set out to do that. It wasn't your intention. Come on, let's get over here. Let's, let's, let's repent. Let's love the Lord. Let's do this, right? What, what, are, you, what are you doing? You're, you're, listen, you're doing two things. You're submitting your will to the Father, right? Because, because you, you could say, you know, something pretty heavy to him. When are you going to get over that? When are you going to outgrow that? But no, you say, look, okay, I'm going to respond in. In meekness, I'm going to, what did it say? Restore them. Whew! Restore them. Isn't that wonderful? I say, isn't that wonderful? So we, we are so mild in our response, we become a soothing medicine to them. 
Don't you like to be around people like that? I like to, I like to go around people, and I, and, and I like for when I come around people, for them to say, Pastor, just your presence made everything feel okay. I like that. Now, I can't just work that up. You got to be walking in meekness. You know, if you enter in and bear another's burden, you're entering into meekness. Because you care more about them than you care about yourself. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it tells us, this will be our last verse. It said, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, you walk worthy of the vocation of the calling that you're called with, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Ooh, glory. So notice, we're to walk in lowliness and meekness with each other and forbearing one another in love. Forbearing. And then he said, notice, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So what is meekness and lowliness and long-suffering and forbearing one another in love? What does it produce? Peace. Which is what? The unity of the Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? We're to walk with our fellow believers in meekness. Meekness. You know, the Bible talks about that with the church body. It says submitting yourselves one to another in love. Submitting yourself one to another. Hallelujah. See, sometimes we just talk about submitting to the pastor, and you should, but you need to submit to each other. That's my brother. That's my sister. I'm going to submit to him. I'm going to walk in meekness. And what would that, what what Paul say this was? He said that was us endeavoring to keep the bond of the unity of the Spirit. <sighs> do you see that? When I'm walking in meekness, I'm doing everything I can do to keep unity in the Spirit. And when I'm willing to do that, my brother, sister, growth is occurring. Amen.